What up, guys? This is The Chase Down. I'm JP, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben. What's up, everybody? And today, we're going to review the undesirables. Um, if you listened to our podcast earlier, you know that we did a podcast about the teams no one likes to talk about, and we shed a little light on them to get a better look at them. Um, and we're going to take a look at them, those teams that we spoke about at this point in the season, and see if anything has changed, if we still think the same things about them, and so on. Um, ben, let's just hop right into it. The first team we talked about last time, I believe, was the Minnesota Timberwolves. Yes. They are horrible. They only have seven wins on the season. I think eight. They got their eighth last night, um, but they're just really, really bad. Is there anything you have to say about them? Um, it's kind of funny when you listen to our first episode because we were real hopeful after yeah. that win they had against the Jazz. They started off like two and two. Um, they really looked like they were going to be a basketball team this year. Yeah. Um, but they just haven't been. I Every year, it seems like this team is three or four years away from being a good team. Like, you see young prospects that seem to play well in their minutes, and then you think maybe they can develop. Uh, I think this team just doesn't have any sort of player development, like any solid coaches that can do that. I like Jaden McDaniels. Yeah. He's, he had a pretty good game yesterday against New Orleans. Um, and I think that's actually a pretty solid win to beat New Orleans by, I think it was 30. Yeah. Um, I like Jaden McDaniels. I like Josh Okogie can maybe become an offensive player one day. Malik Beasley's a really good shooter, but they just, they really don't have any team cohesion. And I, I, I don't even know, like, there is no fix to this team. Like, they're just going to be really bad this year. And that's the sad thing about it. It's just been this way for Minnesota what's, for what seems like forever. Um, you're right. You're totally right about the three, four years thing away, um, away thing where it's like, oh, look at all these young players. They all have this potential. Look at this skill set they have. And then it never comes to fruition. It's always just individuals scoring and getting their numbers up instead of like team cohesion. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Anthony Edwards. Um, he is, I think he's good. All right. I'm just going to, I don't think he's a bust. I think he's really, really struggling right now. I think his athletic tools are some of the best in the league. But I think his role needs to be, I'm the third guy on a team. And right now, he's playing as if he's the first, even above Carl Anthony Towns. Um, he, I think he takes more shots than Carl Towns every single game that I watch. Um, but he needs to be the third guy behind Carl and D'Angelo Russell. And I think that will limit him from taking horrible shots because if you watch any Timberwolves games, he's kind of a chucker. He kind of just, he wants his buckets and he'll just pull up and he takes pretty horrible shots. Sometimes, um, sometimes his just natural skill bails him out of it, but man, oh man, his shot selection's kind of crazy. So yeah, I think he needs to be the third option. He plays like a rookie. He just, he, yeah. he doesn't, he doesn't look that comfortable a lot of the time when he's out on the floor, when he starts the game hot, he has pretty good games. Like he's, he's a kind of dude where if he hits two of his first three shots, he's going to have a solid game. Yep. Um, he had 27 points yesterday against the Timberwolves on pretty good shooting. Yep. Um, but yeah, I, I want to blame the coaching too. I know they have a new coach. They got rid of Saunders, which was a great call. Yeah. Uh, and it's going to take a while for them to figure out a good offensive scheme. If this coach can actually put one in place. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, unacceptable for sure that Anthony Edwards takes more shots than Carl Anthony Towns. Carl Anthony Towns should be your main focus 
every single offensive possession because he doesn't play defense. So what are you saving his energy for? Um, and you're right. Anthony Edwards just looks for his own. He chucks up a lot of shots. Sometimes he can make the right play, but it's never his instinct to make a pass. He always wants to score. Um, I think it's, it's hard. It's a little unfair to judge this team because D'Angelo Russell hasn't really played and we don't know what their potential is as a fully healthy squad. Um, it doesn't seem that good. Like D'Angelo Russell wouldn't make this team a 10 seed. Might make it like slightly better than OKC and, the, yeah. and Houston. Yeah, I, I agree with you completely. They have this unique weapon in Carl Anthony Towns that doesn't seem to be fully unleashed this season, whether that's because he got COVID and he's still recovering. We've seen that with other players like Jason Tatum, Russell Westbrook, where they get they contract the virus and they don't really look the same. So I'm going to give him a pass, especially all the stuff that happened to the offseason with him. Probably a weird, difficult year for that uh, for that guy. But yeah, it's super hard to give this team any real like conclusion about them just because they don't have D'Angelo Russell. You, you can't properly rate this team at all. I know right now they suck. I can tell you that for sure. But like, I'm interested, I know we're talking about them now, but in terms of their prospects for next season, because clearly they're not going to be anywhere in the um, playoff race. Not, they will not come close. Do you think this is a one-year fix? Like, do you say, let's say they get the number one overall pick, right? They get Cade Cunningham, who if, our viewer listeners pay attention to draft stuff. He's supposed to be like the most sure thing in a pretty long time. Um, he's like six, eight ball handling wing who can pass play, make shoot kind of everything. Do you think if they got a player of that caliber, they got D'Angelo Russell back healthy, Carl Anthony Towns is back. Anthony Edwards is playing. Like, do you think that just raw talent alone would be enough? Or do you think there's like something fundamentally wrong with the organization? I think that there's a culture problem yeah. um, because on paper, this team should have more wins. Like if you just look at the talent, Malik Beasley's a hell of a shooter. Um, the offensive potential that they've had on this team should be enough to get them more wins than they've gotten. Um, and I don't think adding a number one pick, number two pick, whatever it may be, if it, if they get to keep their pick, that would be huge for them. I don't think it fixes their situation. I think it, probably boosts them up to maybe like a 10 or 11 seed. Yeah. Um, but they are like the opposite of the Raptors in my mind, where the Raptors all play better than the sum of their parts and the yeah. Timberwolves somehow play worse than the sum of their parts. Yes. Um, and I really don't know how you fix that without like a, an amazing coach or like you do what the Wizards did and you bring in a culture setter in Russell Westbrook. Not saying that Russell Westbrook should be on this team, but just a culture <laughs> setter of that yeah. sort of nature. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. It's a, it's a question every struggling franchise is trying to solve. How do we stop the continued losing? The Kings have been horrible forever since the early 2000s. The Timberwolves, they brought in Tibbs and a star player like Jimmy, and that kind of reset the culture for only a year. And then Jimmy Butler wanted out because he could sense the players around him didn't have the same priorities as him, uh, like in terms of winning. Um, yeah, I don't know. Something's infecting that locker room for sure. I think it kind of sucks. I just, I want them to be good. I've never seen the Timberwolves actually be close to be like making a playoff run or a title contender. And I, I want to see that. What do you think is more likely Carl Anthony Towns staying on this team and then becoming an eight seed and making the playoffs or Carl Anthony Towns being traded or like leaving on his own? <laughs> I'm going to say traded. 
even though he's come out so many times and said, like, I'm here in Minnesota, I'm here to stay, I want to build a, a winner here, I just – I don't believe it at all. Um, with the sustained misery that he's had to go through, which he has been a part of. I'm not abdicating him from that. Like, he has been a part of that. But, like, just the sustained, the sustained years of, like, sucking, I don't think he can deal with it anymore. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I don't, I don't just – I just don't know that I see this team – the way it's constructed ever really being a team that people are scared of. Yeah. All right. Let's move on from the Timberwolves. We're going to move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers. So this was my, (laughs) my favorite team team to watch at the beginning of the season. I thought they were a guarantee to make the playoffs. Um, They are not making the playoffs this year. They are struggling pretty badly. Um, They went on a horrible skid. uh, I think like two, three weeks ago, they dropped like, nine of their last 10. Um, they looked horrible. They are now, let's see, they are now 13th in the East, only above Orlando and Detroit, which is not a group you want to be in. Ben, what do you have to say about the Cleveland Cavaliers? I called it. (laughs) (laughs) We had a, a heated argument about me saying that they're bottom three in the East. Um, and obviously they were playing great to start the season. Um, I had as little faith as you can have in a player in Andre Drummond. Um, And that the 10 game losing streak that they went on was partially because they upped uh, Drummond's usage rate way at rates that it should never be like way too high. They just kept feeding him the ball and tried to have him run the offense. And it's just not what he does. Um, And I don't think it helped them. They were trying to, buff up his trade value so they can send him out to another team. I don't see it happening. I don't know what sort of value Drummond has, uh, but they're going to be lucky if they get more for him than they traded to get for him. If they get more than a second rounder and like an okay player, I think that'll be a huge plus for them. I'll tell you what they get for him. A bag of beads. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they're not getting anything for him. Um, I'd be very surprised if – anything more than a second round pick and some like two-way players are thrown into the deal. Honestly, I think they're ready to get off his contracts. They have their center for the future, Jared Allen. Um, I think we, you spoke about his usage rate, Andre Drummond. He was in the top 10 usage at one point, And as sad as it makes me to say it, I think the Cavs were intentionally sabotaging their season. Um, they saw that they were, a winning team. They saw that they could maybe have the potential to make the playoffs and they didn't want to, they wanted another pick in the lottery, the high lottery. And they just said, let's just give the ball to Drummond every play and let let, let him sink us into the ground. And that's exactly what happened. Um, I want to talk a little about a player we haven't spoken about, I think at all since this episode, the first on desirables, Kevin Love. Kevin Love has popped up in trade rumors and I know his contract's pretty huge, but do you see the Cavs maybe shipping Kevin Love, or do you think the contract is a little too big for other contenders to try to want to grab onto? I think it is a little bit huge. Um, there are teams – I don't know. Does he have one year left on his deal? It's coming I think up. he has two. So I don't know that there are that many teams that would really be willing to take on that contract. It would be amazing for Cleveland if they could ship him out and get some young pieces in return, because I think ideally that's what they'd want. Um, they've got their point guard, shooting guard, and center for the future. And if they believe in Isaac Okoro, they've got one wing. So 
I mean, if you could trade Kevin Love and get a good piece, I don't know what sort of piece is out there where you could even send him. Um, there are places with cap space. Dallas has got cap space. Miami's got cap space. Those teams both want to be really good. Um, but would it be worth it for any of those teams to send young players away and to get Kevin Love? I, don't, I just don't know how much he really brings to the table anymore. Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's fair, like a fair way to look at it. Kevin Love's not bringing back a huge haul anymore. He's clearly not like an all-star level player. Um, but the Dallas Mavs have been the team that have been like very interested in him, I guess. And when you say what could they bring back, I think like Josh Richardson could maybe be a player that they not, obviously it won't be a one for one, but that would fill a decent amount of salary. And it's like a caliber of player that maybe the Cavs are interested in. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm very interested to see what they do. I know the Cavs are obviously trying to blow it up this year because they've just been awful as of late. Um, yeah, I kind of want them to draft Evan Mobley. I know we're kind of merging with the draft here just in this conversation, but I want them to get Evan Mobley and just run two huge, like one huge forward in Mobley at like 7-1. And then you have Jared Allen at center, which seven foot, because they have those two small guards that you mentioned earlier in the year. It's a little tricky to play defense when your two guards are both six foot one. So if they have two towering, like power forward and center, maybe that counteracts, but that's what I want to see them do. Yeah, I mean, we uh, Larry Nance actually talked about that a little bit. A little bit, the fact that they they want to surround the little guys with trees. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's a legitimate strategy. I really wasn't high at all on Garland and Sexton as a duo, but yeah. I mean, they seem to work well together. And Colin Sexton plays like a dude who's like three or four inches taller than he actually is. He yeah. plays with so much energy and so much hustle um, that he kind of. His the fact that he's so short doesn't harm him that much. Uh, Garland is not a good defender, but he is crafty on offense. Yes, um, and I think there's still, a lot of potential. Yeah, yeah, they're still playing well in terms of Garland and Sexton's. I mean, Garland averaging 16 points a game, six assists, a steal there. Like it's good numbers. You're not like upset that you chose him in the draft, and then Sexton's still on a tear. He's scoring 24 points a game on almost 50% from the field and 40% from three. So those two are in their future. I don't think there's any question that you're keeping both. Um, and Jared Allen, they're going to sign to a max, not maybe not a max, but an extension coming up this summer. So you already have three out of the five pieces of your starting lineup figured out. They just got to hit those other two spots. And I think they like a Coro because they got him fifth overall. So I feel like they're starting to approach the mindset of we're not going to tank the season. We're actually going to go for the playoffs. Maybe next year. We'll see. I'd, I'd like to see that next year. I think you kind of need to have that sort of attitude to attract free agents. Yeah. Um, nobody wants to play for a team where all the players don't care. And like, they just, they just keep losing and they're okay with it. Yeah. Um, watching Sexton, he seems like the sort of person that like a lower tier free agent would want to play with just the energy he puts in, uh, the kind of winning mentality that he has any team would want him. And I think there's a lot of players who, if they could get a good role on this team, they would join it because of Sexton and to a lesser extent, Jared Allen, because he is a great piece. Yeah, I agree. And I like when you said lower end uh, free agent, I totally agree with you. They're not going to attract a star. It's not going to happen. Cleveland is, they don't want to go there. Players don't want to go there, but if they could get a lower end, like player 
like maybe a Harrison Barnes, mm. like a lower end free agent that still brings value to your team. I think that would be great for them. So hopefully they can all put it together, but let's move on. The Washington Wizards. Um, all of our listeners know my opinion of Russell Westbrook. Um, so I'll let you go first on this one. What, what do you think about the Wizards so far this year? Um, I, my opinion is slightly going up. Ever so slowly, it is uh, becoming more and more positive with this team. Um, I still think Scott Brooks is the worst coach to still have a job in the NBA. Over Luke Walton. Over Luke Walton. Oh. If you listen to the people in his circle, um, I saw one of his, his video coordinator roasted him on Twitter because he does not watch film. He doesn't watch any team's film. He doesn't have any sort of defensive strategy for any teams. He just hopes that his guys are more talented than their guys. Um, he has no game plan. You can see in the way that he coaches that his offense, there is just zero strategy to what he's doing. Um, he doesn't use his players right. But besides Scott Brooks, Russell Westbrook has been playing much better. He started the season, I think, probably on some injured legs. Uh, because if you watch him now, he's a little bit quicker and he's got a little bit more bounce than he did to start the season. Bradley Bill's still playing great. Uh, it's, it's their team, their season was kind of hurt by the fact that Thomas Bryant went down and he was kind of a big underrated part of their offense. Mm. Uh, I don't see them really getting out of the position that they're in. Fourth worst in the East. I like maybe they can climb up a seat or two. Uh, it's disappointing because we thought they'd be a play in team. I don't think they're a play-in team anymore. What about you? Yeah, they're definitely definitely not a play-in team. And I'm going to steal one of your takes that you've told me privately. I think Zach Levine's better than Bradley Beal. I know you were first, and I know you're a little scared because the Wizards are starting to rise a little bit and the Bulls are kind of up and down. But I, I would just take Zach Levine over Bradley Beal right now. I don't think... I don't think Bradley Beal can do what Zach Levine does on a basketball court. Because me and you spoke off the pod. What Zach Levine's doing this year, and we'll talk about the Bulls a little bit later, but I'll do this quickly. He's number one in the league in usage, but he's almost a 50-40-90 guy. That is extremely difficult to do. I don't know of any player who's done something close to that. So personally, I'm just taking Zach Levine over Bradley Beal. And Brad Beal, he is having a good year, but... I'm starting to feel as if he's one of those guys like Carl Anthony Towns, where it's just like, I don't give a shit if he scores 48 points. I don't ever. I don't care at all. It's crazy. It's just like he needs to prove something to me to make me respect the numbers he puts up. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard to do that when the Wizards are never in games. Um, the games that they had that were pretty close, he was a big reason for their five-game win streak that they won, went on. Um, he was pretty solid in those games. He hasn't really had that many opportunities to, like, take over games. But he doesn't – he's like Carl Anthony Towns. He doesn't play defense. I think that's a, a problem with the Wizards as a whole. Part of the reason I don't like Scott Brooks is that the, the lack of a defensive strategy. He's yeah. just hoping that <clears> – <throat> their one-on-one defenders are good enough um yeah he doesn't play defense he doesn't he just shoots he just shoots a lot he doesn't shoot at a crazy good efficiency um maybe there's just not enough talent on this team because what's the the Latvian laser there Bertans has been has not had a great year this year 
Yeah. He was like nine for 11 from three the other day. Yeah. Um, and besides that, he's just shooting bricks. So he's not somebody you can really rely on. Avdi is a dude who runs the offense, who can run the offense. He's not a great shooter. I mean, he's, he's been all right this year. Yeah. Um, I, maybe there's just not enough offensive talent and Bradley Beal's doing more than he should be doing. I think if he had a slightly lesser role, if he was taking a little bit less shots and the team was good enough that that wouldn't kill them, I think yeah. we'd see a better version of Bradley Beal. I agree. Um, he's definitely their number one option. It's not really even close. He's going to take as many shots as he feels like. Um, he's only shooting 32.8% from three, which isn't like good at all. It's pretty bad, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just finds a way to score 30 plus every single game. So um, yeah, I need to see something a little bit more. I think you're right. They don't have a ton of offensive talent, so it's hard for them to beat other teams when their whole strategy is to outscore you. Um, they don't have enough people that can score like that. So yeah, not a huge fan of the Wizards. I don't think their future looks bright either, which is scary. Uh, they sent their first round pick over to Houston um, in that Russell Westbrook trade for John Wall. Uh, that's not looking like a smart trade. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it definitely is not. I mean, John Wall's not playing great either. But. Yeah, no, definitely not. But both teams suck. So, mm-hmm. like, the Wizards did this as a move to make the playoffs. The Rockets did it as a move to say, hey, let's get rid of Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, just a strange team, strange construction. Hopefully they figure it out soon. I unfortunately don't think they will. But What are your thoughts on Rui Hachimura as a talent? Um, I I was high on him when he was drafted. I just haven't seen enough. Yeah, I'm the same. I think he'll be a role player his entire career. He's not a guy who's going to make an all-star game. Um, He's just a nice – like, I think later on in his career, he may play for a championship team off the bench as, like, a guy who can swing minutes. Like, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't mind him on the Celtics, like, off the bench, something like that. He's just, like, a player who will play defense and hit a mid-range jumper every once in a while. So – um, yeah, that's kind of all I see for him. Yeah, I I kind of think that part of the reason he hasn't developed as much as I thought he would is because of the fact that he's on the Wizards. Because um, if you hear players on the Wizards, like Bradley Beal has talked, when he talks positively about Russell Westbrook, he also talks about the fact that this team has not really had any sort of culture setters. Um, they don't really have any accountability uh, like he's he's brought up the problems that he sees every year with this team, and I think like the Timberwolves, they lack a good player development coach because yeah. you don't see growth in lots of these young guys from year to year on the Wizards. You don't really see much of anything. They just they play the end of the year. They play the same way they played at the start of the year. Um, and I I think maybe if Rui was on a different team, we'd see more development out of him. Yeah, I think that's fair. He hasn't played in any important games his entire career, so that's going to affect a young player like that. But I don't have anything more to say about the Wizards' view. No, I can. We can move on. Uh, let's move on to the Hornets because they are entertaining as hell. Yeah. And we can talk about we talk about Lamelo Ball all the time, um, and it's well deserved because the dude's amazing. Yeah. Um, I I'm happy with the way their front office has made their picks. Devontae Graham was a second round pick. PJ yeah. Washington was a great choice. Um, I don't, they didn't get Malik Monk. I think they traded for Malik Monk. No, they drafted him. Oh, they did. Yeah. Um, 
it seems like all of their draft picks are good choices. The yeah. the Martin brothers, they drafted them both. They've been pretty solid. Uh, they're another team that I think has a really good future. And the fact that they're, what, an eight seed right now yeah. is really cool. I think they could probably keep – they're a six seed. Yeah, six seed. Um, I think they could stay in the playoff race for the rest of the year. With how well LaMelo's been playing, with Gordon Hayward healthy, they just have so much talent like spread across the team. Yep, and they're second in the league in assists, which if you guys listened to the first episode, they were first in the league, and that was like three games into the season. They've they've kept up on that style of play throughout the entire season, and it's making them win a lot of games that maybe we don't expect them to win. Like, I saw them beat the Phoenix Suns. LaMelo had a huge role in that. Um, and I'll go back to what you were saying, their draft picks. They have been lights out. Um Malik Monk, we were worried there for a while. I mean, he didn't play. He had some off-the-court issues that kind of scared some folks. And now he's coming in, he's really locked in, and he's having back-to-back, like, 20-plus games, and he can shoot the lights out. Um, Super talented scorer. P.J. Washington, we saw him have a 40-point game the other night against the Spurs. This team has sneaky young talent all over it, and it's mixed with a blend of veterans, which obviously Gordon Hayward is their best player right now. Or maybe, I don't know, LaMelo and Gordon, they're probably around the same area. But Terry Rozier, too, been lights out. Um, he had another game winner, I think, last night. Um, he's, he's just an animal. And they, they really created a nice little roster here. And again, like I said in the first episode, props to James Borrego, J.J. Borrego. This guy knows how to coach young talent and all of them uh, buy into him. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we saw this last year with Devontae Graham. Um, he empowered him in a big way to take a huge role, to take a huge jump up. Yeah. Um, and he hasn't been amazing this year. They've slid him back into the bench role for LaMelo Ball. Um, my question for you, with teams like this, small market teams, you really have to um, hit home runs on your draft picks and develop talent. Do you think – that there's a chance that having Michael Jordan as their, like within their front office, do you think that attracts free agents or do you think they're kind of stuck in the, we have to keep making sure our draft picks land kind of camp? I think they should be in the, we have to make our draft picks land, even though they gave that contract to Gordon Hayward and they kind of want to win now. I think they still need to focus on the draft because as the team's constructed, that's, they're probably at their ceiling in terms of seeding. Like a six seed sounds reasonable for a team this young. Um, but if you can put another young up and comer next to LaMelo, I think that helps them drastically moving forward. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think they still need to focus on the draft. How about you? I kind of think the same. Uh, unless they can make a big trade, because that's another thing you have to do if you're a small market is go out and trade for those guys who wouldn't yeah. sign with you anyways. Um, yeah. There were reports that they were going after Vucevic. Yeah. And we'll talk about the Magic a little bit later, but it seems like they are set on not moving him, just sticking with him and hoping that next year will be the year for them. Yeah. Um, which, as a Celtics fan, I'm a bit disappointed by. I get it. Uh, but this is another team where if you had LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, and Vucevic, you don't need a great rest of the team. Like, if you yeah. had six deep as a roster, you would be that's – a, that's a solid enough playoff team. Yep. Um, so I think that's – yeah, they either have to land their draft picks or they have to make a home run trade. But I don't see them making huge trades. They don't really – that's not their – that's never been their business. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I, I don't. We'll I don't. See. I don't really see it either. I don't. First, we need to see a superstar who wants his way out of somewhere. But also, Charlotte. They don't have enough young talent. Actually, maybe they do. They could. They could like really gut that roster. Send Malik Monk. Send PJ Washington, and maybe like three first round picks to. Him. I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to keep an eye on that. But um, let's move on because we have talked about the Hornets quite a bit. Let's talk to the Orlando. Talk about the Orlando Magic, like you were just talking about. They have been riddled by injuries. No one really cares about them this year. Markel went down with an ACL. Jonathan Isaac is out for the year as well. Um, they've lost two of their three most important players. Vucevic is on an island by himself, just putting up crazy numbers. Um, what, what, what do you think about the Magic this year and going forward? I, I mean, it's, it's a little bit disappointing. It's not yeah. this team's fault that they are as bad as they are. Um, they've been so riddled by injuries. They're starting Al Farouk Amino as their power forward, and that says enough, I think. Um, they just – all of their point guards have gone down. They have Michael Carter-Williams. They really – this is a, a team full of project players and players who are trying the best, their best to redeem their image. Um, Vucevic is amazing, and I think Vucevic and Jonathan Isaac together – should on in theory be a great pairing i like their coach too i think that their coach if he had a healthy roster could make this team a playoff team um i want to see mo bamba get traded i I think he he shows good offensive potential in the minutes that he's given um his his defense isn't great but i mean with the the wingspan that he's got it's good enough he can get in the way um Ken Birch, they really use as their backup center. And the fact that you have Mo Bamba on your bench and you're playing Ken Birch as your backup center, it makes it like it, it bothers me a bit. Yeah. Um, I don't know what team is looking for a project big, but I think if they're not shipping Vucevic, they should really seriously consider getting rid of Mo Bamba. I'm just not sure what his value is. Yeah. It, it's not a lot. I mean, he's done almost nothing in the league. You're right. It's an absolute project. No one's, no one's given away anything to get him, really. It would probably be a second-round pick and a, a player at most. Um, I think it's time for this franchise to blow it completely up, truthfully. I, I don't really get the whole, like, let's bring Vooch back and maybe we can make a run at it next year. Um, Markel Fultz, I love him. I think he's I, – great for him that he's come back from that weird injury and he's kind of putting a career together for himself, but he's not a playoff level starting point guard, in my opinion, like a successful playoff team point guard. I don't see that. Um, Aaron Gordon, he has vastly underachieved in his career and what people have sought out for him. Um, Evan Fournier, he's going to leave Terrence Ross. It's like, you could get a pretty good piece for Terrence Ross, young players, uh, yeah, man, Cole Anthony hasn't really done much either. We He had a good hot start, but he is super inefficient. It's just like, why why are they looking at this roster and thinking, this is what we need going forward? I think that's the part that's confusing me. I don't see the promise that the organization sees. Um, I guess they're just scared of like really going into the tank just so like fans don't hate them, I guess. I don't know. What What's your opinion on that? Um. I like, I understand the desire to cling on to the success that you've got. Like, you know, uh, Vucevic is a known talent. Terrence Ross, Terrence Ross is a known talent. 
you know what you're getting out of these guys. And if you blow it up and you get young prospects, they're all question marks. Um, and I, I get the, the desire to hold on to those guys. I don't think it's enough. I don't know what they're holding on to them for, which is the, the same issue you have, I think. Um, because you could get a lot of value. If you traded Fournier, Terrence Ross, and Vucevic, you could get a lot of value and you could blow up this team and rebuild in two to three years. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't, I don't think Vooch really fits their timeline. I mean, he's young enough. Um, but if they're trying to be good in two years, I don't know that he's really that guy for them. Um, yeah, it just seems like they're they're just overly cautious. They don't want to make those huge plays because of the risk involved in it. And I think it's a bit of a shame. I get it that it's hard to make that kind of move if you don't really know what you're getting back. Um, but yeah, it is it is disappointing because mostly because I want to see Vucevic on a team that he could actually help win. Um, and he is really he is on an island by himself. He is dragging this team to 15 point blowouts instead of 30 point blowouts yeah um it's it's hard to watch him just struggle and yeah i mean i'd love to see him get traded it doesn't seem like it's happening no it seems like someone's gonna have to pay like an exorbitant amount to get him and i don't know if Vooch is worth that much like i, I don't know if it's worth of, like gutting your team to get a center like that but if we look at the history of the Orlando Magic, the only times they've ever been good is when they've nailed the draft and trades, right? Like we can go back to Shaq and uh, Penny. They bo- they drafted both of them and that was their core. Both were first team all NBA players. That's how this team's going to win. This small market, no one's choosing Orlando, Florida over Miami. It's just not going to happen. They're even rivals with Miami in terms of gaining free agents. So they need to go back into the draft and find these players. Dwight Howard's another example of that. They drafted Dwight Howard and he led them to a finals appearance. They just, they need to reset the clock. They've messed up too many times in the draft um, to keep being the seventh seed, like the eighth seed or ninth seed over and over and over again. I think it's too repetitive and I don't think it does you any help in the future. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's time to blow it up. I, I agree. Um, I don't even think that this team, I don't think that this front office expects a fully healthy magic to contend for a championship. I think like at best they expect them to be a five seed. Um, It almost seems like they're just keeping this team together so that in the future they can have entertaining basketball. Yeah. And people appreciate that. I think you would rather have your team go to the playoffs three, four years in a row and be entertaining every year yeah. And you blow it up and you fail at the rebuild. Right. Um, and I, I'm sure that's a big worry that they have. But, yeah, I mean, Vucevic is good. He's just not good enough that him and Jonathan Isaac and Markel Fultz as, like, your best three players can get you anywhere. Right. There's one positive to this season, and it's that they're so low in the, in the rankings this year and that they have a shot at that number one pick. Because if anyone's been paying any attention to this draft, Picks one through five basically are the same. Um, Everyone kind of projects them at the same level. Cade Cunningham and Evan Mobley are kind of the top two, but there is not a steep drop off three, four, five. So if they're in the top five in this draft, that's huge for this franchise. And then they get their healthy players back. So maybe they can make a push with a new young star 
We don't know. Hopefully they figure that out soon. Hopefully they nail the draft. So they're kind of a contender next year, but this year is definitely not the year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm 100% with you. They really need the draft to land. They need to get another good pick. Um, Yeah. As long as Miami is good, teams are going to want to go there over Orlando. Absolutely. Um, Let's talk about one more team before we take a break. The Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Kings have the worst coach in the league, in my opinion. Um, They have some pretty legit talent. We've talked about Tyrese Halliburton. De'Aaron Fox was a borderline all-star contender before they went on that horrible losing streak. Buddy Heald's not having the best year, but he's still one of the best three-point shooters in the league. I don't think that's a question. So what do you think is up with the Kings? How do you think they're going to do this season (laughs) or not? Uh uh, I think I think they are looking to the future. Um, it seems like from the rumors around the league that the Kings are in selling mode. Um, I don't know that I really believe that the Celtics are getting Harrison Barnes. People, I think there's more smoke than there is fire. Usually Danny Ainge is not the type to leak his moves before he makes them. Um, so I think the more rumors come out about it, the less I really believe in it. But Harrison Barnes could go somewhere. They could get value. They could get a young player and a pick for him. Buddy Heald is – I think even Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald are the same age, which is kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, but Buddy Heald could get some value. I really think De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton are their future. Yeah. Rashawn Holmes is a great role player that could stay on this team for as long as they want him to. Um, but I don't believe in Bagley so much. I think – they could probably look to trade him. They could look to trade Barnes. They could look to trade Heald. Um, I think that's kind of where they need to go is just go into seller mode and try a little harder at the rebuild. Yeah, I agree. And they got to get Luke Walton out of there. Um, we'll see what Orlando does with their coach, Steve Clifford. I'm a big fan of his. Um, everywhere he goes, he puts in a defensive scheme that's in the top 10 every year. Um, obviously not this year because of injuries, but he has a defensive identity that goes anywhere with him. So if the Kings could get a defensive coach in there and just have De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton run the show, I think that's way better for their future than, I don't know, staying with Buddy Heald, all that, and keeping Luke Walton. I'd rather them ship out Harrison Barnes and Buddy Heald and get a new coach in rather than stay the way they are with Luke Walton. Um, Buddy Heald's, he is a good three-point shooter. I, I just think Tyrese Halliburton's so much better than him, and he'll have so much more promise than him that it's worth kicking Buddy Heald out and putting Tyrese into the starting lineup. Um, I still love Rashawn Holmes. I know you do too. He's still a good player, but this team all in all just can't. They literally have the worst defense in NBA history. So, I mean, you're not going to win games like that. No, yeah. I, I think, honestly, they could – they're another team that could, if they wanted to completely blow it up, they could have a quick rebuild um, because Nemanja Bialica is another dude. He can hit shots off the bench for any team. Yep. Any team would probably throw a late first rounder at the Kings to get him. Uh, Buddy Heald, you can get first round pick for him. Harrison Barnes, you could probably get a late first or a couple of seconds for him. Uh, if you package all those together, you could get something of real value. Um it's interesting. Tyrese Halliburton wanted to be here. He yeah. wanted to play with De'Aaron Fox. He told other teams, do not draft me. I want to go to the Kings. Um, you certainly don't see that very often, but 
man, I, I want them to take advantage of this. I want De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton to be their future, but their futures look so not bright. Like, I, it just doesn't – if they don't make moves, they're just going to be stuck being bad for years. Yeah. Um, I want Luke Walton to get fired really badly. Him and Scott Brooks, if they were fired, would make my day. Um, Luke Walton has no idea what he's doing. Yeah. Alvin Gentry is a coach on this bench. He could coach their offense better than Luke Walton. I don't think Alvin Gentry is an excellent coach, but I mean, compared to Luke Walton, he's Phil Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they need to make moves. I think they have a new front office now. They have a yeah, new GM. Yeah. Um, and he gives me a little bit of hope that he'll start making moves. Yeah. I, I actually have the same outlook as you do. Um, it gave me hope when they put in a new regime and then they drafted Tyrese Halliburton, that instantly set a different tone in my mind with this franchise. Um, what they do from here on out, though, is what's really going to convince me. Um, I think they need to fire Luke Walton literally today. Like, just get him out of the building. You need a better influence on that team. You can have Alvin Gentry, like, switch over and be the interim for a while, but they need to, in the offseason – they need to get a legit head coach, whether you pull him out of retirement, well, whether he's in a G League coach, anywhere. Someone who can actually coach people. Luke Walton, that was a sham. I have no idea how he got that job still, like we were talking about in the earlier episodes. But, yeah, man, I'm not, I'm not thrilled about the Kings. I like their two guards, but other than that, it's not much to brag about. Yeah, yeah. Every game you're just, like, a little bit disappointed watching them because on paper you'd think they'd be a better team. Marvin Bagley at his best plays pretty well at his best. He can be a 20 and 10 guy for them, Um, but he just doesn't do that consistently. That's like three games out of 10. He'll be a 20 and 10 guy. And he has the same issue. Michael Porter jr. Has that me and you have spoken about a little bit. He thinks he's the best player on the team when he is the fourth, fifth best player on the team. Yeah. Um, He really has an ego. I do respect how hard he plays because he is one of those guys that kind of like really tries hard in a game. But I think his idea of himself is a little bit of like warped because of where he was drafted. Um, he's not that player. I think if they could turn him into an above average role player, that would be a really successful turnaround for his career. Do you think they could turn him into an above average role player? Or would you be, I, I kind of expect them to trade him. Um, I wouldn't be that surprised if I saw him get traded. I know he doesn't have the highest of value, yeah. but I don't think holding on to them, holding on to Marvin Bagley is doing the Kings any favors. I kind of agree with you, but I think it's the same thing with Michael Porter Jr. That's actually a pretty good comp, uh, comparison. How stupid would the Kings feel if he got traded somewhere else and he does become the 20 and 10 guy? who can just do hook shots with his left hand, sprint up and down the court and transition, suddenly block shots, they would feel like idiots. And I think they're so scared of that possibility because you can't see the potential in games. He'll have like a three-minute stretch where you're like, wow, is this guy the best guy on the team? And then he'll have a three-minute stretch where you're like, please get him off the court. So I think they're scared to move on because they see those three-minute stretches where he really looks like an all-star player. Yeah, you're right. And I think if you didn't have Luke Walton as a coach and you had a different coach, you'd see more of those stretches. Yeah. Um, 
why is he still the coach? Why I it it frustrates me to no end. He didn't he shouldn't have been a coach last year. He was awful at it last year. I don't know what they're waiting for, but they got to get rid of him. He'll be out, like I guarantee it. You can put money on it. He will be fired whether it's in the season or in the off season, I don't know, but he will be fired with the new regime. They're not going to keep him around, especially with the defenses he's been putting out there. I um, hope so. Yeah, he's he's definitely gone, but Let's take a quick break. Thank you guys for listening so far, and we'll be right back. All right, and we're back. Uh, the next team we're going to go into is the Chicago Bulls. They were beaten very badly yesterday by Philly, and Philly was missing Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, so it was a very upsetting loss. But all in all, I think people are starting to tune into Chicago more, and it's mostly because Zach Levine is incredible. Uh, we talked about him a little bit earlier, but what are your thoughts so far on how the Chicago Bulls have been to this point in the season? So they've been pretty up and down. Um, my initial reaction from our first episode here in my notes is the Bulls are ass, LOL. It turns out this team isn't good with Boylan or Billy Donovan. I've kind of shifted away from that. Uh, my outlook is a little bit brighter on them this this time around. Um, Zach Levine is an elite offensive player. Um, he is up there with some of the best. He, he, he doesn't really do anything poorly except for like decision making with his passes sometimes. But like his mid-range game, killer, obviously, he can drive to the hoop and slam on you. Uh, crafty finishes and he's a sniper from three. There's really nothing you can do to stop him on offense. He's going to get his buckets. Um, but th- let's talk about the surrounding players a little bit. Thaddeus Young, is such a unique player. Um, They use him in the pick and roll, and then he is a distributor off the pick and roll. So if he gets the ball in the pick and roll situations, he then makes an extra pass on the short roll, and it helps that offense flow really, really well. Um, He has, like, somehow made himself an untouchable for the Bulls. I know he was in trade rumors earlier, but the Bulls have basically come out and said, there's no way in hell we're trading this guy, which I think is awesome that he's made such a claim um, in that roster. He's going to stay for sure. Um, my preseason pick for one of the most improved players was Larry Markin, and he is a skilled offensive player, but he is not worth talking about unless he plays, I don't know, 75% of the season, and it will just never happen. So um, that's a little disappointing, but, yeah. The Bulls have shocked me a little bit. They're better than I thought they would be. Yeah, I think some of the problems that we noticed starting at the beginning of this year still exist. Like, they still don't have someone that you're really comfortable handling the ball in closing time. Zach Levine, if he's got the ball, you can be confident he'll be taking shots in the closing minutes. Um, He's been shooting lights out, too. 43% from three on eight attempts is unreal. Uh, like it's really really incredible so there is a good amount of confidence he's gonna hit these shots they just don't have anybody that can calm everybody down and just control the the ball and just be a floor general Um, and that hurts them in games that are close they've lost a lot of really close games for that reason yeah Um, they've been a bit up and down you're right I think they should really be looking to trade away some of their pieces while they still have some value Lowry Markkinen they've already kind of showed that they don't have an interest in extending his contract so I think you should ship him for value he's shooting 43 percent on seven attempts from three yeah um which is great yeah he's only played half the games so that's not great right um 
but as just an offensive firepower sort of player, like he, he brings a lot to a lot of different teams. If he could stay healthy, which is again, a big if, um, he could bring a lot to a bunch of teams. Kobe white has not taken the step up that I expected him to take. Uh, he started out the season pretty hot, but he is just a shot chucker. Yep. Um, he's five assists a game is good. It's on less turnovers than Zach Levine. That's Zach Levine's problem is he turns the ball over way too much. Yep. Um, his assist to turnover ratio is almost one to one, which is not something you want to see. Yeah. Not good. Um, but yeah, it's just, they, they put both of those two guys in positions to make too many plays, too many passes that they're not that comfortable with. Uh, this team would really, really benefit from a Ricky Rubio type, a Lonzo type, somebody who's just a floor general who can uh, help them win the end of games. I also want to say Patrick Williams has looked pretty great. Um, I, I hear a lot of buzz from Bulls Twitter, Bulls fans about Patrick Williams. Um, he's developed pretty well. He could be – so Bulls fans who overrate him a bit – say that he could turn into the sort of two-way player that Jason Tatum is. Um, and I think that's a little bit too much. I think he could be as impactful defensively as Jason Tatum is offensively. Um, he's, he looks like a great defender. He's really yeah. long, really good instincts. Uh, they really nailed that pick. There was a lot of talk about whether or not he really deserved to be the number four pick. I think they really nailed that choice. I totally agree with you, and that was the player I was going to talk about next. People also have to realize he is the youngest player in the entire league, um, and he's already doing what he's doing defensively and offensively. Like, obviously, he's not a go-to option for this team, but as a periphery player who can just spot up and hit threes and drive to the hoop and make some easy layups and stuff like that, he's doing his role really, really well. And I've hit, seen him hit some pretty big shots for that team too, which is – I mean, for a rookie, the youngest player in the league to take big shots and make them, that's that's a big step. Um, yeah, I don't really know where his ceiling is. Like, I know you said Jason Tatum, Bulls Twitter likes to talk about. I think maybe a more realistic arc would be something like a Jalen Brown, where he's more defensive-oriented, and then his offense comes along slowly. Maybe it doesn't get to, like, 25 points, what Jalen Brown's doing now, but maybe, like, a 20 point per game scorer who really can play some good defense, maybe makes an all-star game here or there. Um, yeah, I think they nailed it. Cause I was kind of down on him coming into the draft. I didn't really get the hype. People were just saying it's the tools, it's the tools and tools are great. I mean, look at Anthony Edwards, his tools are great, but it seems like this kid really has the work ethic to take advantage of them. So yeah. And he was a six man on the bench at Florida State University, and he's averaging more points in the NBA now than he was in college. So this kid, he's really surprised me. I'm super excited about him. I think the Bulls got a really good one. Yeah, he looks like uh, him and Tyrese Halliburton, both from their first games, looked ready. They looked yes. like they were built for the NBA. They looked like they that it wasn't a challenge to them. Um, like they were just calm and collected in every moment. I don't see Patrick Williams looking flustered and looking like he doesn't know what he's doing out there. Um, and that alone from a 19 year old is amazing. Like you, there's nobody really, uh, we watched before he got injured, Killian Hayes on the Pistons, 
just didn't look like he knew how to play in the NBA. And I think that is so much more common from 19 year olds than what we're seeing from Patrick Williams. Yeah. Um, yeah. He is, he is, they're very, very lucky that they have him for the future. Um, they've got a bunch of question marks for who are they going to sign? How are they going to get better? Yeah. You know, but they are around the playoff picture. They're a 10 seed right now, 16 and 19. I would love to see them be an eight seed. I don't think it's going to happen. I would love to see it. I, I think they need an extra player. I think they need somebody who just fits their system a little better. Yeah. Because um, they have a lot of talent, but just they're not a great fit as a team. Yeah, I agree with you. And another player I want to talk about quickly before we move on is Wendell Carter Jr. He has kind of missed expectations as well. He's not what people thought he would be. People were kind of pegging him as maybe an Al Horford type of player. Um, someone who can give you 13, 14 points, maybe 10 rebounds, five, six assists. And he, it, he, he does have a similar skill set, but his availability is always in question. And I just think the Bulls are plagued by these players who show their potential and then never go on the court to like continue it. Um, he's another example of that. And like you were saying with free agents quickly, like they need another player. I think you're right. And it's not like a horrible possibility just because Chicago's such a big market and they already do. Like if a star player did decide to come to Chicago, they already have a co-star in Zach Levine. So it, it's definitely a possibility. I, uh, we should monitor that. Yeah. I think there's a chance that they sign somebody, um, especially, with the kind of faith that they have put into Zach Levine, like the way that they have let him grow into the player that he's become. I think I want to see them throw a big contract at Lonzo ball, like force the Pelicans to either match it or get rid of them because Lonzo and Zach Levine as a, a guard pairing would be excellent. I think that would be fantastic. Um, but yeah, just Wendell Carter's not the player we expected him to be. So they're going to need a better center too. Um, their their players are just not there. Zach Levine's amazing. He just doesn't have enough help for this team to really be that good. Yeah, so let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks, who have also been pretty up and down this entire season. Um, we've had some locker room drama. We've had some really horrible games from Trey Young. We've had John Collins declining an extension. Pretty much every turn you can get as a franchise they've had to deal with their coach has gotten fired since the last undesirables episode and I think Travis Schlenk is not so far behind uh, DeAndre Hunter has also been injured for a pretty long time so Ben what do you think about all the stuff that's happening in the Hawks it's it's a little bit disappointing um, I don't know how much I think Lloyd Pierce deserved to be fired we talked about this already yeah um, but I'll reiterate what I said then is that you can't really blame him for the availability of his players. Like Bogdan Bogdanovich has played 12 games for this team. DeAndre Hunter has only played half the team's games and he was really looking like he was developing into something really big for this team. Yeah. Um, Cam Reddish has missed a handful of games. I don't know where Rondo's at. He's missed a handful of games. They finally have their pick Onyeka Kongwu back and he doesn't look like he knows how to play offense. No. Um, it's, they were, I was really high on them to start this season. I thought that they had a lot of potential. Um, and I had just haven't seen that potential from them. I haven't seen it, you know, manifest into anything. 
Um, I think they still have time because you just look at the talent on their team. They've got a lot. Clint Capella is playing great. Trey Young, when he actually plays well, uh, is a really big part of this team's success. But yeah, it's another situation where just the the talent level with the amount of players that they have that are actually healthy just isn't there. Yeah, and it sucks because I would like to see Trey Young in a playoff series despite my hatred for the way he plays. Um, but he could prove something to me that I don't think he has if he was in a playoff series. He could totally prove me wrong, and I, I want to be proved wrong by him. Um, for the other players on the team, Clint Capella has been playing really, really well. Um, it's because Trey Young is kind of like budget version of James Harden at, in Atlanta. Everything runs through him, and then he'll Clint Capella will get easy alley-oops, and his only job is to catch dunks and block shots, and he's doing it well. So that was a good signing for them. The DeAndre Hunter injury really does suck because me and you spoke about it earlier in the year he kind of was looking like Tatum and Brown for a little bit where he was starting to ball handle. He was starting to get a like feel of it. He was starting to blow by people with moves, get to the hoop. And he had the nice three point shot. And maybe we saw like an arc starting to happen, right? Where he could improve, improve, and maybe even one day become an all-star type player. Um, But I think this all comes down to John Collins, this team. Um, I think, Travis Schlenk is terrified to trade John Collins because if this team doesn't make the playoffs, Travis Schlenk's getting fired. Um, So are you going to get rid of your second best player to get him off the team like he wants to be and give him a new situation and then get plays for the future when your job is in jeopardy? I don't think he will, but it's going to all come down to the trade deadline with John Collins. So that, that should be a very interesting situation. That's a really interesting point that I don't think I think about enough when teams consider rebuilds is the coaches are preparing players for a team that they will not be coaching for. Um, So yeah. Do you play the best player for the job? Um, or do you give the guys who you think could develop into that the opportunity? If you're a coach who's worried about getting fired, you're not giving worse players opportunities. Um, Yeah, the the job security has got to be big there. Yeah, DeAndre Hunter, when he comes back, he'll be great for them. Yeah. Um, He has been consistent as you could ever ask for, as consistent as you could ever ask for. Uh, I was really high on Cam Reddish to start the season. Um, I still think he has potential. And he has more of a work ethic than I really thought that he did, but yeah. he hasn't shown that he's good at putting the ball in the basket. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's really harmful. He's really good at defense. 1.3 steals a game. Like it's respectable, the work that he puts in and the effort that he puts in on defense. I just, I want him to develop into a good player. I think him and DeAndre Hunter together could be a really good wing pairing. Yeah, I thought they would be a really good wing pairing, but it seems like DeAndre Hunter is going to be the only one who really, like, stands out. Um, Cam Reddish, like you said, he's a great defender. That's that's good to have on your team, too. A lanky wing who you can put out there and just defend someone for, like, five to ten minutes and come back on the bench. Uh, that is a valuable piece, don't get me wrong, but I don't know if I've seen a player struggle this much to put the ball in the hoop as I've seen with Cam Reddish because – in high school, he's the third recruit in the country, only behind Zion and R.J. Barrett. And he goes to Duke with those players. And he's still pretty talented. He's putting the ball in the hoop. He's a nice shooter, everything. 
NBA, he can't do it at all, like a lick. Um, if he's taking a shot, you think it's missing. And I don't know if I've seen that from a player who was so highly touted before coming into the league. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely uh, shocking, especially when you looked at him his rookie year, the way he started. His progression through his rookie year made you think that he was just going to keep progressing. Like, there's no yeah. way he was going to stay that bad. Um, and somehow he's done it. I think the fact that he has spent a lot of time injured and he's in and out of the lineup and he doesn't yeah. really have a rhythm. Um, he seems like one of the type of dudes that really needs consistency to build a rhythm. Um, and he just hasn't had it yet. It's disappointing. I want to see Bogdan Bogdanovich back too because they – they brought him here for a reason to make this team better. Uh, Gallinari, besides the one game where he absolutely torched the Boston Celtics, he has not been what they wanted. No. Um, I don't know why we had to get that game. But, yeah, besides that, he just hasn't really been great. His, his three-point numbers are going up. Um, yeah, it's, it's a bunch of players who are just not performing at the level that they were expected to. Yeah, and I think that's pretty – sad for that franchise too because they went into free agency thinking oh these players are going to push us into like a real contender like we're going to be a top four seed in the east and almost none of them are performing the way they want them to uh chris dunn i don't think has even played a game yet uh rondo has been one of the worst players in the league danilo gallinari he had that like you said the scorcher against boston but other than that he is not what they were asking for and they kind of swung and missed on all of their free agency signings. Well, let's give Bogdan Bogdanovich some more time, but those other three that I mentioned have not impacted the team the way they expected. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to monitor the Hawks. I don't know how seriously I take them as a, like a playoff team either. Um, right now they are eighth. They're the eighth seed behind the Knicks. And I don't know. I think they get crushed by Philadelphia. I think they get crushed by Brooklyn and Milwaukee. So, I mean, they, they'd have to move up to like the five seed to maybe have a potential playoff like fight. I think, I think, I think they get swept if it's any other team in the top three. Yeah, I agree. Um, so real quick, Danilo Gallinari has hit 51 threes this season and a fifth of them came against the Celtics. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that was great. Uh, do you see them continuing to be a, a, the eighth seed? Toronto is right behind them. Indiana has fallen out of the playoff picture. Yeah. Um, do you think it's possible that they end the season as, as an eight seed, or do you think they slide out of it? I think they slide out. Honestly, I really do. Um, I trust the Pacers. They're just dealing with some pretty crazy injuries right now. Obviously, everyone knows about Karis Levert's uh, mass and his kidney, I believe it was. Uh, we wish him well. We hope he gets back soon, but... Right now, they're missing 20 points per game because they traded away Victor Oladipo when he was actually being an impact player. And the person who was supposed to fill his role isn't there because of an injury. So, uh, yeah, this is, this is not looking good now for the Pacers, but I trust that when everyone's healthy, they'll do a little bit better. And then Toronto, they, they've just got a winning culture there. And if they still have Kyle Lowry on the team, we'll see after the trade deadline. But if he is still there... I think they still have more potential to take that eighth seed than the Hawks do to stay in it. So I, I don't trust the Hawks at all. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I expect Indiana to overtake both Toronto and Atlanta. Um, so let's talk about Indiana. Yeah. yeah. Because there's actually some positive news with Karis LeVert. He, there's a good chance he's back by the end of the week. Wow. Um, That's news to me. 
Yeah, so he has been practicing with the team. Good. Um, yeah, he is the the removal of I think it was a tumor in his kidney. It was completely successful, uh, which is amazing for him. Insanity that that's how it was caught. That due to a physical because of a trade that that's how it was all found out. Yeah. Um, couldn't have been better timing for him, but. I think sliding this dude into a starting role, I don't know if they're immediately going to start him, but he deserves it. Yep. Um, he will give them 20 points a game. He will Absolutely. be an efficient scorer, a great scorer, and they kind of need that because they're relying too much on Brogdon to yeah. score, and they're relying a bit too much on Sabonis to score. And they're both really good playmakers, um, but just without another offensive option, they've been struggling. Yeah, and T.J. Warren has only played four games this season, too. Obviously, bubble Warren was a thing when that was happening. Obviously, he's not that caliber of player where he's averaging like 25 points, but he's another guy who can give you 17 points per game. They're missing a ton of scoring right now. Um, that's why I don't really trust where their seeding is right now. I think once this team gets Lavert and Warren back, they're going to shoot right up the standings and take Atlanta's spot. Um Sabonis, we know he's an all-star. Brogdon's been playing really, really well, too. Miles Turner has come down a little bit. Uh, we spoke a little bit about that in the awards uh, podcast. He isn't viewed as the defensive player of the year favorite. Um, he fouls a ton of people. He does block a lot of shots. But um, And Doug McDermott, I've heard some rumors that he may be on the trade deadline. I'm a little confused why they would get rid of him just because he's a guy you kind of know when the ball goes up from the three-point line, it's probably going to go in. So um, other than that, though, I, I really like this team. I like how it's built. I like their coach, too. People forget this team was rolling at the beginning of the year. Um, it's just the injuries really took them down. So, uh, yeah, I have full faith in this team once everyone's healthy. Yeah, it's unfortunate because injuries hurt this team every single year. They haven't had a full healthy season from Oladipo from all the years that he was on their team. Yeah, um, it's it's always the thing that you say like, oh, just wait until this team's healthy, you'll see. Yeah, um, yeah. TJ Warren needs to come back. I'm not sure why he's been out for so long. I don't know what his injury actually is. Yeah, um, but I think he played the first four games of the season, and then we haven't seen him since. Yeah, that's what it is. Um, yeah, so Karis LeVert will be a big addition to this team. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon is still great. I think we, we basically say the same things when we talk about the Pacers is they have great playmakers, but when you don't have a really good score, they're, just, they're, they're not creating enough shots for good shooters. Right. Like Sabonis can create so many shots for his team, but if you're creating shots for him, he's not your scorer. He's not the guy who's going to knock down lots of threes. Uh, Miles Turner is slowly upping that three-point percentage, but it's still below league average. Uh, and he's still taking four and a half a game, which I think is a little too many. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, I, don't, I just don't know that their talent is there outside of their starting five plus TJ Warren. Doug McDermott is a solid role player. Yeah. Um, but do you think of them, if they make an eight seed, obviously – going up against Philly or Brooklyn, if those are the, the two possible one seeds, that'll be uh, almost an immediate loss for them. But what, what sort of teams could they face in the playoffs that you would have faith in? The Celtics. I think they could beat the Celtics. I think they could beat the Heat. Um, 
Yeah, probably those type of teams. Those top three teams in the East, I don't think anyone's taken them down except for each other. Um, but I think they're – I think they either win or put up a annoying fight against every other team other than those top three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when they play the Celtics, I think every game the Pacers and Celtics play against each other is hard-fought and entertaining. Yep, yep. Um, it sucks. These guys, they have so much potential at the start of the season. And then every time they are an eight seed who could have gotten so much more or like a seven seed who, if they were healthy, could have been a three or four. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if it's worth it for them. Like if they, Karis LeVert's coming back. So I think they should push for a playoff, but I'm not sure if there's any value to them in not making the playoffs and trying to hit this draft. I think they'd have to fall pretty far to get a good pick. Yeah. Um, but I talent level, like they're not there to contend. I think at, at best they're a second round exit with this team. Right. They, they have two secondary stars. That's, that's just the truth of it. Sabonis would be an incredible second option. Malcolm Brogdon, same thing. But they don't have a player that you can go into a playoff series and say, I have the best player in this series. They just don't have that. Um, and you're not really going to contend unless you do have that. So I, I see your sentiment with maybe trying the draft, but they'd really have to hit the lotto if they, if they had a lower lottery pick and kind of swung and hit a home run with it. So um, I like the Pacers where they are. I think they're going to hover in the playoffs for the next like five years. I don't really see anything changing with them. Um, as long as they have Sabonis and Brogdon, they're going to be right there in the thick of it. So uh, yeah. I'm glad we got to talk about them a little bit. Let's move on to the Grizzlies. Um, John Morant has come back from his ankle injury. And the first couple of games, he did not look like himself. He could not hit a shot for anything. He is now rounding into form. Uh, He's such an explosive presence in the paint. can finish over just about anybody. That three-point shot has not come along, though. There's a little concerning. Um, And most of this team is not good. And I'm just going to say that now. Um, I don't like Dylan Brooks. I said that earlier in the year. He's just not a player that I would want on any team. Um, Brandon Clark is really good in other aspects than scoring. He's pretty well-rounded, but he's only going to give you around 12 points per game, which isn't exactly what you need if you're the Grizzlies. Um, and they, we, talk, we spoke a little bit about this in the Zion versus Jaw conversation where the Grizzlies just have a whole bunch of role players and then Ja Moran. That's it. And you need someone other than Ja to be able to put up 20 points in a game. I know uh, Valanciunas had a really good game last night, but that is not what you constantly expect from Valanciunas. He's not that type of player. And I, if I'm the Grizzlies, I try to trade Dylan Brooks immediately. I don't know who's taking him, but he's another one of those players where he hunts for his shot way too much, and it's not worth it for him, for him to even shoot. So I do love their pick with uh, Desmond Bain. I think that was a smash. Um, he's still, I think, atop the leaderboards in three-point percentage. He's killing it, um, 46% from three. So uh, they're just meh. They're going to make the play-in tournament. I don't know if I see anything higher than that, though. This is I'm, – I'm kind of in the same boat with you. It feels a little disrespectful to say, but this is like – one of the worst above 500 teams that I've seen ever Uh, like to this point in the season. Yeah. They're just individually there. There's not a talented bunch. They're a team like Toronto who has somehow found a way to play so much better as a group than they are than 
each individual piece is worth. Yes. Yes. Um, there is hope, though, I think. Jaron Jackson Jr. is coming back either the end of this month or the start of April. Um, I think it'll probably – I don't see him getting into his NBA-ready form that he was at at his best uh, by this season. But Justice Winslow is also back. I think he is someone who has the potential to be one of the best players on this team. Um, can't put a ball in the ocean right now, but I think it'll get there. He's, he's shown so many flashes. I don't know how long I'm going to continue to ride the I, Justice Winslow is one of the best young players train. Yeah. Um, Cause he's just getting older and he keeps staying injured, but I really like him. John Morant has been great. Still can't shoot threes. Brandon Clark, I, I think every single time I talk about a player, I say they have the ugliest jump shot in the league. Nobody comes close to Brandon Clark. Yeah, it's bad. Um, it's real bad. And I think he's, he's reworked it a lot because it's nowhere near how he shot in college. Um, he just – he shoots as he's on the way down. He jumps, and then as he's falling, he does a little push. Yeah. Um, eventually, I think that'll get there. He brings so much besides his shooting that I think you should – just hold out hope that eventually he'll become an average three-point shooter. Um, bringing Jaron Jackson Jr. back to this team, though, I think is going to be big for them. I don't know how long it takes for him to really be the best version of himself, but I think he's better than any option they have right now in his place. Absolutely. Um, he's almost at that 20 points per game type of level. Um, his game's kind of strange if you watch Jaron Jackson Jr. He's okay with putting it on the floor. He shoots a lot of threes for a guy his size. He doesn't really step into the paint much, um, but he's super talented, and they just need talent on that team if, they're, if they have any chance at putting up a fight. Um, but this all kind of comes back to an issue I have with this team. they got to package some of those role players and just get a better player. Um, DeMar DeRozan is someone who's kind of been on the trade block, I think that would be great for this team, a guy who can just give you 22 points a night. And you don't have to worry about, oh, is Brandon Clark going to have a 23-point night? And then the next night, will Desmond Bain hit seven threes off the bench? You don't have to do all that thinking if you just have a guy like DeMar DeRozan. I think they desperately need someone like that. So I, I don't know really how high you are on Justice Winslow. Do you think he's a trade piece or do you think he's a dud on this team? <sighs> So I think it's too early to tell because he's been, he was injured last year and now he's just kind of playing games with them now, but I think they're going to ride it out with him just because the potential is still kind of tantalizing with the fact that he can play defense, he can play make, and he's a good driver to the hoop. I think those three attributes are kind of what's sticking him around, but if they want to get a player like DeMar DeRozan, they are going to have to put Justice Winslow in that deal. I think. I think that's fair. Yeah. I, John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., and DeMar DeRozan are a solid enough team. Um, I think they'd be hesitant to do it only because DeMar's only got one year on his contract, and he's yeah. chasing the bag this year in free agency most likely. Yeah. Um, but I'm with you. I think Dylan Brooks can go. If you can get a good enough player, Brandon Clark can go. Um, Desmond Bain probably has a lot of value as a dude who can shoot threes off the bench. What about John Collins? If John Collins were to get traded to this team, I think that's a great pairing because you can just slide Jaron Jackson to the five as the shot blocker, put John Collins as an offensive four. I think he's 
a great player to match with Ja. All the oops that would go up with him, maybe that's a better fit. Do you think swapping Brandon Clark and John Collins helps both those teams? I do, actually, because the Hawks need defense badly and the Grizzlies need offense badly. So I think it's a kind of a win-win situation. I think that could definitely be a good plan. Um, yeah, they have so many young guys. Um, I can't, for the life of me, imagine that they all stay together. Like, three years from now, half these guys are going to be on different teams. Right. Um, like, you know what you have in John Morant. You know he's the dude to build around. You know Jared Jackson Jr. is the dude to build around. Everybody else, if you can get a surefire thing to trade some young players and get a surefire known veteran yeah. to help with John Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr., I think that would be a great thing. George Wee Dang is pretty good. Yeah. Um, shooting 48% from three. It's only on two attempts a game. Yeah. Um, but, like, that's not nothing. I didn't know he had that even capability. Um, but I think if you kept Xavier Tillman and you had him as kind of a, an off-the-bench five, this could be a good team if you could package your young guys and get a solid B-plus, B-minus level player. And the thing is with them, too, is Gorgie Dang is the highest-paid player on this team. John Morant, still on his rookie contract. Jaron Jackson Jr., still on his rookie contract. Dylan Brooks, really affordable. Obviously, I don't like him as a player, but he's on an affordable contract. They can trade for a guy like John Collins, who's pissed that he didn't get extended, and extend him and be totally fine. They have the cap to do it. So it just kind of makes sense for them to get rid of the young guys and get an expensive player because they're not paying anyone right now. Yeah, I mean, the best time to take advantage of the, the contracts that these guys are on is right now. Yep. Like John Morant's contract is only going to get more expensive the longer you wait. You're going to max Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah, I totally agree that John Collins would be a great piece because he would essentially be doing the same thing he's doing on the Hawks. He's an excellent role man, excellent three-point shooter. Um, John Morant would find so many buckets for him. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I like Laurie marketing here too. Not as much, but yeah, I think he's a good fit. Um, but let's move on to our final team before we wrap this one up. The Houston Rockets. They have been god awful since Christian Wood hurt his ankle. They have lost 14 games in a row now. Um, I spoke a little bit about Christian Wood a couple episodes ago. I think this proves how important he is as a player to, in the NBA. Um, this team has no defense when he's not there. They can't score with teams anymore. He has proved himself as a pillar of this franchise. Um, and another interesting wrinkle their pick, now some might be saying like, oh, it's great that they suck so they can go into the draft. If, the lot, if they're not in the top four picks, it goes to the Thunder for the Chris Paul trade. So this is, this is a huge year for the Houston Rockets. That draft lottery is going to determine their future pretty heavily. Um, but yeah, Ben, what do you think about the Houston Rockets and how badly they've been? Real quick, I just want to say that Sam Presti, the general manager of OKC, is one of the best general managers in basketball. Like, yeah. what he has done, the amount of picks that he's gotten is unreal. Like, the, the potential that that team has is crazy. Yeah. But I, on a bright side, so these guys, uh, the Rockets went and picked up Kevin Porter Jr., yeah. who is a young dude with a lot of potential, who had a lot of maturity problems let's say on the Cavs um 
and he had a pretty okay game, 15, 10, and 3, I think it was yesterday. Yeah. Um, I think he could be a young player that they build around if he can get his attitude in check. Yeah. Um, him and Christian Wood are really good. Jay Sean Tate, their rookie, yeah. is uh, probably going to make second team all rookie. Yeah. Um, he's been great. They just I, – I need to see them trade some of their veterans. Eric Gordon doesn't look like he wants to be there. P.J. Tucker doesn't really look like he wants to be there. No. Um, it's obvious that this team's not contending. Trade them for some young players and work for the future. I think that's absolutely what they should be doing. I completely agree. The Bucks have been heavily connected to P.J. Tucker. Um, Eric Gordon has been slotted in a couple of different teams. I know the Celtics – have touched in around that area. But um, yeah, I totally agree. Time to blow it up. Um, they really need to get one of those top four picks for this to work out. Um, but yeah, I mean, this team's horrible. There's really not much more to say about them. John Wall hasn't been great. Um, he was one of, in the preseason. I thought he was going to shock everyone um, by being kind of good. That has not really been the case. He's been okay. Um, he's averaging 21 points on 42% from the floor, which isn't very efficient. And then 34 from three. Um, but yeah, I mean, Christian Wood, he is their star player and he's been out for so long. So I think that kind of puts them in a hole. Yeah. And Victor Oladipo has Ugh. been disappointing. Ugh. He is shooting under 40% from the field. Yeah. Uh, 30% flat from three. It's crazy. Seven and a half attempts a game. Yeah. If you are a 30-point, three-point shooter, you should be taking two or three threes a game, not seven and a half. Yeah. Um, he has done as good a job as you can do tanking your own value going into a free agency. Um, like, this is the opposite of most people's contract year. Yeah. Um, he has just – he's fumbled the opportunity here. He really – he had the chance. He could have put up 28 shots a game on this team. Like, they're not going anywhere. He could have taken as many shots as he wanted. He just doesn't hit them. Yeah. Um, I think he's really messed up his free agency chances. Uh, I, I, like, at the start of the year, I could have seen him getting $25 million a year. Um, not now. Now I'm maybe 18. Yeah. Four years. He, he's looking for a four-year deal. I think it's more likely. So he's, he's been in connection with the Heat for months now um i think it's more likely that he ends up taking a big contract on a garbage team than it is that the heat offer him any contract that he'd actually want yeah i think he'll also get traded um i think he, he fumbled free agency absolutely but i also think people know what he wants to do and that's go to the heat and i think the rockets are going to just ship him i've heard that denver your one of your favorite teams is interested <laughs> <laughs> yeah um i've heard that a, a bunch of teams are actually looking at him because they know his value so low there's gonna be like an andre drummond level package sent back to houston for him i, I think it's literally gonna be a bag of beans i don't think people are excited about victor oladipo right now um but yeah this team's outlook for this season looks horrible um this is not the way they wanted to play when james harden left um yeah, this is this is tough for Houston. Yeah, this was it's, it's a tough trade because you really they really thought Oladipo was going to be good enough. They traded away Karis LeVert. Yeah. Um and I think Karis LeVert playing 0 minutes for this team would have been more beneficial to their future than Victor Oladipo playing the minutes that he's played. I I I don't think they get anything of real value for him. No. If they trade him to Denver, 
I could see that happening just because of his value being as low as it is and because yeah. they need offense. Denver yeah. really needs help. Um, they could send a Gary Harris. They could send uh, like a PJ Dozier. Yeah. Um, Zeke Nanaji is okay as a rookie. Like they have young talent that they could send if they wanted to get. I, I expect the Rockets to package Eric Gordon or PJ Tucker with Oladipo and send them to a good team. Okay. Um, yeah, I've I've heard it's going to be Gary Harris and Bull Bull for um, Victor Oladipo. Give Bull Bull his minutes, man. That would be awesome. Him yeah. and Christian Wood as the the front as the two centers. That would be pretty cool. Yeah, but I think that's like a completely fair trade. Bull Bull really hasn't proved anything. Gary Harris, he is not worth his contract, um, and neither is Victor Oladipo. So it kind of just works out. Um, but yeah, the Rockets, man, this is tough. It all kind of, I, I spoke about this a little bit. I see hope in their future because of Christian Wood, the contract he's on and how good he is. I still think John Wall's a serviceable player. I don't think he's elite. I don't think he's one of the best five, maybe even 10 point guards in the league, but he's, a, he's an average point guard and that's fine to have on your team. It comes down to this draft. If they can, let's say, get the number one or even two overall pick and actually hit the home run, the, the outlook of this team looks completely different for the next four years because you have Christian Wood, who's growing, assumingly the draft pick growing, and John Wall, who's an above-average point guard alongside them. I think that would really change the outlook of this team. I, I mean, I think you're right, but I think it's too much to ask for. Um, the Ooh. NBA has done a lot to ensure that tanking will not automatically get you a number one pick. Yep. Like Minnesota's not even guaranteed to get a top three pick. It's a, there's a good chance they lose their pick, even though they're as garbage as they are. Because yep. um, what, it's top three protected? Or top five protected? Uh, top three, I believe. Yeah, I think if the season ended today, there is a 40% chance that they lose their pick. Yeah. Which is pretty good. Um, so yeah, it's a big, big if that they could get uh, a top five pick and turn this whole thing around. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're going to continue this, this skid that they're on with Christian Wood back because he puts up 20 and 12 on pretty good efficiency. Yeah. Um, Very good efficiency. 20 and 12 is ridiculous. I, no, 20 and 10, but still like he's, he's amazing. Christian yeah. Wood is really, really great. Yeah. Um, they're lucky that they have him because otherwise their future looked bleak. Yes. Yeah. There is not much surrounding him. And you brought up Kevin Porter. He showed flashes in Cleveland of his talent. He just did. There's no denying it. It's, it was his maturity that kicked his way out. Um, if they find a way to maybe help him out with that, give him some guidance. Um, I think that's a steal because they literally got him for nothing. So um, yeah, I like that they signed him. I like that they have Christian Wood, John Wall. All right, obviously the contract is ridiculous, but um, yeah, it kind of all comes down to the draft. So I think that wraps everything up. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Ben, do you have anything else to say? I've got nothing else. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody, for listening in. If you want to interact with us at The Chase Down, make sure to find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Blogger at The Chase Down Pod to join the conversation. Peace, everybody.